Ivor's on vacation. Dora and Josh talk about a plethora of topics. There's some dissension in the chat room on this week's episode of Android App Addicts number 570. Hey, hey, Podcuntians, welcome to Android App Addicts, episode number 570. This episode is brought to you by our newest Patreon supporter, Steve Brezen. If you would like to support this show, it's quite simple. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Android App Addicts, or simply click the show notes and you will get a direct link to that uh, way to support us. Super quick announcement. Uh, thanks to a very, very, very longtime supporter. Uh, we also now have a Mastodon server stood up, and we also have a Riot.io slash Matrix server set up. Uh, all you got to know is if you never heard of Matrix chat servers, it's by far the most secure thing that basically has existed. It's good enough that literally the NSA uses it to communicate amongst itself. Um, if you would like to get access to them, links should be directly in the notes. Uh, thank you again to Caleb Fultz, unbelievably nice guy, smart guy, and a pod and a longtime pod nutsians. Uh, speaking of pod nutsians, we're also joined this week by Josh. How's everything going, man? Um, doing good, Dor. Doing good. Um, not a lot to report. Pretty happy that we're doing this for two weeks in a row. I mean, going to start being called a habit here pretty soon. Um, spent the the week just re rebuilding my personal website from the ground up and trying to learn and have fun and yeah that's that's about it for me how you been uh no we're not gonna go there too much stuff going on um but i will say um knowing you for as long as i have which isn't a great long amount of time i will say it's painfully obvious uh your skills with web design have ramped up like consistently um this latest website you did i love the background because it's not overly complex but if you look at it there's something to it kind of thing uh and the fact that um you there's little design elements that i think just makes it stand apart so i think you're doing really good man thanks a lot door yeah it's i'm not the best designer i'm more more keen on apps and getting things to work and you know back end back end stuff but you know you gotta do what you gotta do well yeah and i will say the best thing about every technology focused type of career is they splinter off like 20 years ago, we had one job called web designer who did everything on the server, um, like admin type thing. Then they did everything about the web configuration. Then they did everything about the UX design. Then they did everything about the back end, if the site even had a back end. And they also performed all the updates and they answered all the emails for the website. Yeah, We're now, that's like 20 different jobs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's I built this using Gatsby, which is sort of a, a framework or a library on top of React. And then what's great is basically being able to run serverless now. So I basically I'm using Netlify, uh, the name of the the host I guess hosting company. It's a serverless company, and so basically all you do is you point your your GitHub or your GitLab repository, you point netlify to to that and then it takes whenever you 
whenever you push a change to um, your your master re, uh, master repo, then it automatically rebuilds the website. And that's all you do. You point it to the repo and it, it builds your website. You don't need a server. There's just nothing. All you do is you write the code and then Netlify takes the code and puts it in, builds a website. So there is no Apache, no Nginx, no reverse proxying. It's just straightforward. Here you go. And it's free as well to, to use Netlify. Right. And there's no public facing databases. Um, it is like unbelievably simple as the user's perspective is concerned and very secure. It is. And using, it's nice because using Gatsby is a, a static site generator. And so what you, you just write your code and then it compiles it on the server. And so when you, it's basically, you're just getting HTML and CSS on your browser. And so it's just lightning fast as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, every hack, Every time we hear about breaches happening, they're always on websites that are have some amount of interactive things to them. So to have a non-interactive type static website means the likelihood of you getting breached is, I'll give you two chances, one is slim and one is none. <laughs> well, the beauty is that you can make it interactive as well. Um, there, are, there are certainly ways, you know, it's not just a static website. You can you can add dynamic components to it as well. Um, I just had, didn't really have a need for any of that for what I wanted to do with this. And Ed in the in the chat was asking what the URL is, and it's joshuadennis.ca. So if anybody wants to shoot me some notes about how awesome or terrible it is, um, yeah, you just go there and there's a contact page and, or aaa at podnets.com. Always works. Yep. Um. I'm going to drop a quick link in the chat. And basically this is to an app ecosystem. They have desktop applications. I'm 99% sure. And they have Android applications and the Android application is written in cotton, the newest in air quote, uh, Android programming language where they're trying to move people at least a little bit further away from the Java, like old school way of doing it. Um, if you want to join us on the, um, um, matrix, slash riot io server infrastructure on android you're going to need an app like this now because uh matrix is completely open backend the most secure thing one of the most secure things that's ever existed there's a multitude of front ends you can load to access this server this is just one of them this was the one that was suggested to me by a couple people so for right now i'm running this both on my desktop and on my android device um Think of it as beautified, prettified IRC. Think of it as IRC or AOL instant messenger, except nobody basically can snoop on any of the traffic. From what I believe, even the people who are hosting the website cannot see any of the data. Have you found uh, an Android app for Mastodon that's worth anything? Well, I'll say I found plenty of them that in air quotes work. Uh, the one that I'm using right now, I want to say is called, uh, Tusky, mm, like the, the, right, the yeah. Tusk of it, I, I would say, and it works fine. I'm not going to say it works great. I'm not going to say it works fantastic. I will say it gives me what looks like I experience on the web on my mobile device and it hasn't caused anything uh, bad to happen. Uh, yeah, that's, that's good. I've, I tried a few before and for anyone that doesn't know, Mastodon is, is a federated, <laughs> the Fediverse 
So it's not Matrix, but it's... I like cheese. <laughs> it's basically you can spin up your own server and at least this is the way I understand it. You can spin up your own server, your own Mastodon instance, and then you can follow anybody else that is on a server or running a server. So it's not like a centralized Twitter where you have to be on Twitter in order to follow somebody on Twitter. Anybody that's on Mastodon, any instance of Mastodon, you can follow from any other instance of Mastodon. Does that sound about right, Dor? Well, I'm not an expert. I will say I wasn't going to stand this server up because I still have scars from Identica. And this is the exact same code base as Identica from like eight years ago. It just evolves and keeps getting renamed. But um, Caleb stood it up, so I started to play with it. I'm shocked at how mature it is. I have no problem saying. I believe you can do two things. You can follow other people from other servers, or you can follow other servers. Um, no, mm. sorry, sorry, let me rephrase that. You as an individual can follow other individuals, or if you set up your own server, you can follow other servers. Um, so there's two ways to do federation, either direct person to person or direct server to server. And then anyone on your server would then see what you align yourself with on the other server side. Um, the good thing about it is the barrier of entry to loading these kinds of things keep coming down like insanely fast. Um, you do not need to be a propeller head. You don't need to be a nerd. Uh, you don't need to have a soldering iron in order to set these kind of uh, servers up. They're very simple, straightforward ways of doing it. And there's more than a couple hosting providers where you literally just go in and click a button and it will just launch it for you. And the beauty is that you can't be silenced or you can't, like Twitter, they can't just cancel your account or Facebook, just, you know, silence you on their on their platform. Whereas this, I believe you can mute people or unfollow, or I'm not exactly sure what the terminology is, but we'll call it mute. And so if there's somebody that is saying something you don't like, you can just mute them and then you don't get any anything else from them versus complaining to somebody until their account gets canceled well yeah and i'll say i do believe you can do what's called shadow banning which is banning people and they don't know that they're banned um but also i'll say on the Podnuts instance uh caleb said to me up front he wants this server to have the same ideals of Podnuts, which is on this mastodon server it's going to be tech science entertainment focused nothing political nothing religious and nothing uh, not suitable for work on this Mastodon server. So if you join the server and then you instantly start to post either right-wing or left-wing conspiracies because they both got them, uh, or, you know, the fact that uh, thoughts and prayers saved 20,000 lives yesterday, or that even though there's 15,000 different genders, when you go to Amazon to buy a t-shirt, they only have two, any of those things will get you immediately banned from the server. Now, if you want to exercise it and see if we're doing a good job, then feel free to... Uh, Join and test that out. Well, there's also plenty of other places where you can get such content. That's definitely not hard to find. And that's the thing. It's everywhere. Um, I'll say this, Tangent. Podnuts likes to learn, share, evolve their own thoughts over time, whether it be about what is a good smartphone, what makes a good operating system, how to handle business-focused customers, kind of things. Those other three things I mentioned, no one wants to talk about them because everyone swears they already know everything in existence and there's no changing anyone's minds. Um, I want people to show me what is a better application. I want people to show me what is a better way to do things on my computing device. I don't claim to know 
the end all be all of everything. No, and neither should anyone else when it comes down to it. Um, Ed in the uh, in the chat says that lizard lizard people are a thing, though. Door, so I never we should, said they weren't. Maybe we should allow that talk in the Mastodon server. Well, as long as you don't say that they're ruling the world, sure. Oh, never mind. <laughs> lizard people are out. <laughs> so, um, I'll say this on the Android news: the two pieces of news, and I only have a link to one of them that honestly kind of caught my eye. Um. One of them was about HTC, and the other one was about LG. Um, the article was from Engadget, which I, I still frequent, but on Android, I have to use Smart Browser, or I'll lose brain cells. Uh, and on my home network, I have to have my Pi-hole running, or else I can't access this website. But the HTC article is, HTC is still making phones? Question um, mark. Which is really sad. Because these, this is one of the companies that revolutionized a lot of things in phones. They just never were able to like capitalize on the right thing. And they would always bet on the wrong thing, like 3D cameras and stuff like that. Um, it's almost sad to see a company that was as popular as they were. They, and they're still pretty good in the VR space, from what I believe. Um, just not be able to keep up. Where do you know where their market is? I mean, is it North America or is it I, I Asian? Believe, I believe their main market used to be uh, Indonesia, um, Vietnam, India, um, places like that. Philippines, uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, parts of Europe, uh, definitely parts of Europe. Um, but where they're at, people like uh, Samsung are just de- completely destroying them. Yeah, well, that's that's a rough go going up against Samsung anywhere. Right. Yeah, and then the second article was um, about LG. Um, there was a leaked memo, I believe it was a leaked memo, from LG insinuating, you know, they made the T phone and they have a rollable phone thing leaked. But there's an article going around, there was a, a leaked memo where they were insinuating at the end of 2021, LG might be out of the phone making business in air quotes for good. Um, so we have one company that won't let go, that doesn't seem like they can be successful, HTC. And then we have a company that continuously at least tries to innovate. And it looks like they might just completely bail and just focus on their TV business. Yeah, that's, it's unfortunate, but it's, I don't know, it's the, the lion eating everyone else, really. Um, one, I mean, did you end up deciding on, on a new phone door? You were, you were looking at some one one plus phones no i mean i haven't decided yet but i will say there was a website that i think is going to help me decide uh what phone i should or should not get uh, i've been begging to find this kind of website for a while so as soon as i found it i immediately bookmarked it and it is uh k-i-m-o-v-i-l.com k-i-m-o-v-i-l.com and it's a very simple site you pick your country and then you type the phone in and then you scroll down and you see how compatible any phone is with your country and your carrier of choice. Like when I take a look at this um, OnePlus Nord N100, well, I can see it has zero of eight 5G compatibility with the United States. Well, there's a reason for that because there's no 5G antenna installed on it. Um, and then when I come down to like the T-Mobile marketing, uh, four of six 4G bands, two of two 3G bands, and one of one 2G bands. So it isn't completely compatible with the United States, but it's pretty dang compatible 
with my carrier is the way I'll put it. Um, and I've been trying to find phones that are more compatible with, you know, the same type of specs or better and the same kind of price or better. And it's really, really hard to find something more compatible at a better price. Now they do have the, um, uh, OnePlus Nord 5G, which I do believe is actually a touch more compatible. Um, yeah, the OnePlus N10 5G is the actual model number. Um, and then when I come down to T-Mobile, I see it's one out of four 5G, which is not good. Five out of six 4G, two out of two 3G, one out of one 2G, and it's literally like $100 more. So more than likely, if push came to shove, I'd probably get the uh, Nord N100, but I'm still not done. I want to search for at least another week to see if I can find anything better. And if you, the listener out there, knows of anything that's T-Mobile compatible that you think is a great bang for the buck ratio, not a $2,000 phone, not a $1,000 phone, not an $800 phone, not even a $600 phone. Um, If you think there's something out there, even if it's like two years old, that's better just let me know because I am open to suggestions. Yeah, I think you've you've either brought this website up before or I found it before while looking for the same type of compatibility thing. It's pretty it's a pretty handy simple website. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I do think I stumbled across this at least a little bit ago, but I completely like forgot about it and then a couple of weeks ago I was trying to find, you know, why can't I just find a site that just tells me what works and what doesn't work and then I I stumbled across that site and it's not the most elegant website there is, but it definitely works. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, that um, Nord N10 5G. It works on one of one carriers in Greenland on 4G as well, just, just in case you were wondering. Well, I like Greenland. You know, there's like a constant fight over a city in Greenland over, I want to say it's Canadians and maybe Belgians, where like they put like bottles of liquor at a key spot and claim it as their own, that area. And then the next camp will come take that bottle and replace it with their own bottle and been doing it for years. Yeah, it sounds like a decent war to be in. Uh, well, a very non-American war, yes. Yeah, right. That's why it's Canada and Greenland, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, there, was, there was one link that you had on here, uh, Wise Notes, and that's an early access. I actually had this one to bring just as something, something new. Um, I did try it. I, I reached out, uh, and I didn't file bug report, but the, you had, you had passed us a a Reddit link where the, the guy that was, that developed this Aravind Chowhardy, Chowdhury, and, and so I poked around on the app for a little while. And, uh, that's, that is this app, right? The one that you sent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm not super keen on it because it doesn't work <laughs> there's it's i know it's early access and beta but it, it there's d push buttons and they don't work you push the camera and then you want to x out of the camera or you know like it asks for permissions and you can't get you can't even get off that screen and yesterday or a couple of days ago i tried to tried to do something on that app and it just completely froze and i had to shut it down so it's got it has potential it's I guess we'll actually bring it. Wise Notes, Notes with Brains, Early Access by Aravind Chowdhury under Productivity. Um, I guess I could post it in the chat as well. It's 
version 1.5 beta. Okay, you got it. Thanks. Um, and it's got 100 plus installs updated January 27th. Oh, is that today or yesterday? Yep. Oh, there you go. I'll have to check it out again. In-app purchase 379 per item. I have no idea what, what that would be right now. And um, requires Android. It varies by device. So it's a simple app taking or app taking note taking app that could be could be interesting but like i said it's if you're looking for something right now to use it's definitely not not that yeah if you if you just search uh reddit for wise notes all one word you'll find his posting and i'll say this he has ambition um i believe it's a he i just assume this gender um he has high ambition there's a lot of things he has planned out that he wants this app to be able to do and a lot of them are truly um open source focused or like free information focused but also privacy focused where he does not like you know constantly uploading things for evaluation and then downloading the results he wants to do everything on the local device itself um this is the kind of app where you know like for instance, Slack was an app I brought three years after I brought it to the show. I started to hear people talk about it and advertisers start to bring it up and, you know, it being a thing in business. This is the kind of app where if this guy gets the proper support, proper motivation, proper feedback, this is the kind of app in, I think, a year or two could be one of the things highlighted by, uh, you know, like Hong Kong protesters or people who have a real true um uh, need to keep their private things private because they don't want government retribution. And and it's a quick description of it is quickly write anything that's on your mind and Wise Notes will analyze the content on your mind and gives you quick suggestions or action you might need. This completely happens on your device. None of your notes or data leaves your device. So it actually does when you first install it. It does take a, a little bit to it downloads. Whatever it's whatever it's using, I I don't know. Like I said, I didn't look into it too much. I just know that I like the the concept, but it is very very buggy at this point. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that could grow into something. Is what I'll say. Um, I will say uh, when it comes to like the other news kind of things, um, I like not being a completely one sided U.S. um kind of like um podcast where all we ever talk about is phones in the U.S. Um, so one link I wanted to bring up just for giggles was the top five best Chinese phones out there. And I'm really happy Ivor wasn't on the show today. It's got to say that out loud. Um, and here's the whole reason why I'm always interested in what is popular someplace else, because just because something is or is not available when I walk into a local store does not mean it's any worse or any better than anything else. It just means that marketers decided let's shove this down their throat. And one phone in this list is just as compatible as the uh, OnePlus Nord N100 um, in this list. And they're the best five Chinese phones under $200, which I firmly believe $200 right now is the sweet spot. Once you go above $200, I expect this thing to run fine and smooth for a good amount of time is the way I put it. It might not be the most durable. It might not have, you know, 256 of internal storage. It might not have 12 gigs of RAM. It might not have all the bells and whistles. It might not have NFC. It might not have 
the best fingerprint reader, but it's at least affordable kind of thing. Uh, the first one was the Redmi Note 9T. Uh, this was the one that I think was the most compatible with uh, my network. Four gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of internal storage, 6.53 inch display, uh, 1080 by 2400 and packs a camera with 48 megapixels, which I really don't care about the megapixels. It does say it was equipped with a Bluetooth 5.0 LTEA and 5G networks, but I'm 99% sure its 5G chip is not compatible with any USA carrier. Um, but I like having choices. I love that. I look at this phone. The bezel is almost non-existent and the camera is just a little pinhole camera. Um, this one, I also think had a fingerprint reader on the side of the phone. How does that work? Um, uh, Sony phones have them. Lenovo has them. It basically, you just take on the side of your phone and you like swipe your finger sideways across it. Um, no one I've heard who has tested them and reviewed them said they were any more inaccurate than any other type of uh, fingerprint reader. Cause I believe it's very similar to a lot of laptop fingerprint readers. Cause if you remember, most of them are just a little strip. Not all of them are cubes or squares. So there's little strips. where You have to swipe your finger over top of it. I believe it's the same technology. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And since I was not here, I'll, I'll say that uh, my main, my main computer is, a Lenovo laptop and it actually has that type of fingerprint. I'd never, I'd never use it. I don't think I've set it up on this, but my last one did as well where you just roll it over. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say, speaking of Lenovo, uh, I almost forgot uh, on one of my favorite websites around B A N G G O O D.com <laughs> bang good.com. Um, I was, I was able to uh, pre-order these essentially. Um, and you know how when you pre-order things from Hong Kong, sometimes it takes, you know, six weeks to get here. Well, I pre-ordered these from Banggood and it took three weeks for them to get here. So it was faster than your normal Hong Kong shipping. And these are Lenovo earbuds with a USB-C and a full-size USB-A port. Uh, you can use this as a battery to charge your device. Um, the actual model number on these are uh, QT8. One, which will come into focus any second now. Maybe, there you go. QT81. And they look like what I call um, wired earphones with their cord cut, where they have like the, 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 um, the um, stem that comes off of them. Um, the one thing I like is when you put it back in, you see the charging percentage of the main unit and the charging percentage of each individual item. On Banggood, literally $17.00. And I want to say it was like $6 shipping. So less than 30 bucks headphones. Their range is not fantastic. Not fantastic at all. Their battery life does seem to be pretty good. It seems to be four to five hours of charge per earbud can be in mono mode. So only one of them can be in a, at a time if you want. And each one of those have a independent microphone on it. So you can easily use it for like phone calls kind of thing. Um, It's hard to beat that price. You know, when I talk about bang for the buck, yes. $100 Samsung Galaxy Buds are going to be better than these. Are they going to be five times better? I'm highly suspicious they're going to be five times better. I would say it's more bang good for the buck. Exactly. And of course, when I told one friend about that website, he said, I'm not going to that website. He said, you know, it, it's a kind of website that if my girlfriend like sees it, she's going to like freak out. So I said, maybe you need a new girlfriend. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm happy with the ones that I have, but if I'd be interested if you uh after you have those for a while, let me know. Gotcha. And I will say um Bang Good and Gear Best are two of the sites I really do like to visit uh partially because um their prices don't wildly f- fluctuate like Amazon prices if you go to Camel 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 and look at almost any item there because they do tracking of Amazon and the prices are all over the place. But banggood.com and gearbest, their prices always seem to be pretty good. Kind of thing. They, they um, do and they also they also have some pretty pretty big sales as well where in these all these phones on the the top 5 under $200 phones, there's only one of them that's under 200. <laughs> the one you were looking at is is $270, which is still pretty decent. But the the most annoying thing for me, which is pretty trivial, is when you go to GearBest or Banggood, it scopes out your IP to give you yeah. your country of origin, which is fine, except that it always says ship to Canada and then it's in US dollars. So I'll see something say, oh, wow, okay, great. And then and then realize it's in US dollars and, and then see the 30% increase there. One thing I did, you were, you you mentioned that you used a smart browser, a smart cookie browser. Um, and then what browser do you use on your desktop or your laptop at home? Well, I know you use it a lot. Right. On my main desktop-like machines, I'll say I use every browser. And what I mean by that is like on my work rig, I use Edge for my formal business things. I use Google for only Google-centric things. And then I use Firefox for my personal type things and I use Vivaldi or Brave when I need to do work related things like searches but I don't want it in my Edge browser. Like when you're looking at Banggood? Yes. Um, And then on my home computers it's basically Firefox full time except when I do a live stream because I have 80 tabs open in my Firefox and the resources are so I literally open up Google Chrome where I only have Stadia speech texter studio.youtube.com and this live um, communication stream open in my Google Chrome browser. So my browser usage is basically like task-based. I, I switched to, well, I switched back to Brave, I think last week. Um, I had used it before and on Linux, it was, it was a bit sketchy. Um, but now going back to it, it seems like They've made quite a few improvements, and I haven't had any issues with it. And now I'm starting to collect Brave Coin or whatever it is you get. Yeah. For. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, be in in the Bahamas sometime soon. Right. Yeah. Brave has matured a whole lot in the last like six to eight months as being like that consumer focused browser. Vivaldi has matured to try to be like an all-in-one productivity suite kind of browser. Um, and then like in the news, one of the links I hate that I have to share with people is um, Firefox is basically decided they're giving up in air quotes on progressive web apps, or as they call them, uh, SSBs, single site browser, where you could say, go to like say fastcompany.com, click a button and it would make an icon that was just, and it was executable and it was just that website kind of thing. Progressive web apps are still a thing on all Chromium-based web browsers. In fact, Chrome and Chromium have kind of like went whole hard on them, saying that you know they're going to keep investing more in them, while Firefox in the last week 
announced that they're basically going to stop all development on single site browser, AKA um, progressive web apps on their browser. And personally, when one browser gives something up, it's only a matter of time before the other one says, well, then why are we working on it? Yeah, I'm a little bit disillusioned with, with Firefox anymore. I, I like some of the things that, you know, I like, I like their philosophy, I guess, but, and maybe it's just a Linux thing again, but running Firefox, it always just seems so much slower than running a Chromium based. And I don't know what that, I mean, that's even clearing the cache and everything else. So I'm not sure I was using, I was using Decenter for a while and then realized that it was on the Chromium version 68 or something. And the Chromium is at 81. Yeah. And so I said, okay, they're not maintaining this or updating the, the engine at all. So time to move on. Right. Right. So what was the link that you dropped in the chat? Oh, that was just the, the headphones I have. Is that the one you're talking about? Everywhere the the chat was talking about the different headphones that people are are using. So, so uh, that's just another reason why everyone should come out to the chat on Thursdays at six o'clock Pacific Standard Time, which is the only legitimate time zone. Exactly. Um. Yeah. These are the headphones, the earbuds you have, and I will say, my wife um wanted to do physical therapy from work with her laptop, and a cord wasn't going to cut it. So she asked for earbuds that she could use and i'm thinking to myself i cannot suggest her something that i use because there's a certain amount of um bugginess that i'm just very willing to work through kind of thing uh, that, that's the best way to put it so i suggested to her it was a set of anchor earbuds it wasn't these uh i will say these look better than what i suggested to hers um and hers were i want to say 80 bucks um she was extremely satisfied with them, but at the same token, I look at them and I feel like I can't spend 80 bucks on them. Yeah, I think these were, oh, I think I got mine on sale for like 40 Canadian. And then actually my wife got a, a pair as well. And and I think that it was more expensive at that point. I think they're like 65 bucks Canadian. Gotcha. Well, and, and like these have noise canceling. Ain't no way mine have noise canceling. I have no problem saying that. I've been my extremely wife- happy with these. They, there, there's... I mean, there's a couple small things that I would probably change, but overall, they're they're good, and they have they have uh, quite a good battery life. They have oh, it looks like they're actually eighty bucks now with a twenty dollar off coupon on Amazon. But um, I don't like coupons. Yeah, and but they have a they have a good range. I'm actually that's quite, what I quite impressed because yeah. my old ones, my old QCY ones, which are basically they're actually show me. Uh, manufactured health ends, these things have an easy 30 foot range, like insanely good range. The Lenovo's, the ones I just got, I can't walk 20 feet away and, right. they, start, my, and they start dropping out. Might as well put some wires on them. Almost. Uh, <laughs> and, and my wife swears the one that I got her has a great range. I don't know what that means. I don't want to ask too specific questions. Um, but also I noticed these also say that they have a IPX uh, five rating, which I'm pretty sure the Lenovo has, like no rating because you got to pay for that rating. I don't even know what that is. Uh, oh, the waterproof. Well, no, no. IPX is ingress protection, not the game on Android, but ingress uh-huh. means like moving in kind of thing, making progress. IPX is the uh, how hard it is for something to get into a device. Typically, there's two numbers, which confuses me. One is solid, one is liquid. So it's like IPX 68. 
which means it's a six versus liquid, eight versus like dust. So what all you got to know is the higher the number, the better, number one. And number two, it just means that you can work out with this thing and your sweat in two weeks ain't going to kill it. Well, if you're sweating what you work out, then you're working out too hard. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I haven't worked out for a while. And I tried to like blame my shoulder and neck pain to my doctor. I said, you know, I really would be working out if this didn't hurt so much. And the one doctor just looked at me like, I'm not buying that. <laughs> and I tried. Yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely sweated with these things on and I mean, never had any sort of a problem. So Very I, cool. I would... I would recommend them. I mean, they're a bit more expensive than what you were talking about, but I'm pretty happy with them. Gotcha. Um, there was one more thing I just wanted to mention to you, Josh, uh, personally, and it's the kind of thing I got to keep saying every now and then, or I just completely forget about it. Um, you last week didn't hint towards, you said quite dramatically that you might be looking to hop off of Android this year. Now, one, number one, we all have to like pick our battles. You know, using technology for whatever means is like a marriage. We're not going to get perfect. We have to compromise about certain things. Um, people measure privacy. People measure control. However you want to measure it, but you got to always remember choices exist. So hypothetically, you might use Android for your podcast listening and for like two other tasks, but for your tracking things where you're going to go places and you make phone calls, don't forget KaiOS, K-A-I-O-S. Their phones are not as functional as Android devices, but if you want a mobile phone to be a mobile phone, I have no problem saying these meet basically everyone's expectations, is the way I put it, for a mobile calling device where you can still use popular uh, progressive web apps um, <laughs> kind of thing, whether it be WhatsApp or Google or other services, you could still use them on this device and to me the best thing of all they're actually affordable yeah i've I've, i haven't looked at kai in a while um but maybe i will take a look at that um well because honestly i can see having an android device on my person having no mobile data having no wireless data uh connecting to another device that is like a hotspot where all I do on my Android devices, play my podcast, do some like low level organization kind of things. And then having a separate standalone, simple in air quotes device to handle phone calls, text, and you know, that kind of thing. Have you ever heard of graphene OS? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's one of the ones that swore that they were going to be more private and more secure than any other Android. All it is is Android reskinned essentially. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, all the the Google taken out of Android, but they also claim that that they have Android app compatibility. Well, um, I, I'll say like this: there is no device manufactured in eight years that can run Android on it that actually does not run what's called uh, closed source binary blobs on it. Well, this one, this is what I was why I was referring to wanting to pick up a a Google Pixel phone because they're. The only ones that they like, they they don't support necessarily, but they claim it runs perfectly on these XL or uh, Pixel phones. It does. Um, the last Google device that actually could run completely open, um, coded things was the Nexus Five, 
everything after that, thanks to Verizon and how closed source Verizon is, you have to run closed source binary blobs in order to be compatible with them. And like, for instance, um, the Jeff Bezos hack, where um, 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 a bone saw guy over in Egypt sent an MP4 file to Jeff Bezos' device, it actually made its way into his device from closed source binary graphics drivers. So as good as this company or this organization is trying to do, unless they support like open hardware infrastructures where you don't need binary blobs, this is just as like insecure as the most modern iOS device where they literally just patched like three zero day exploits yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Cause uh. the problem isn't gaps. Uh, the Google apps, um, let me rephrase that. True security fashion, the problem isn't gaps. The problem is the baseline firmware that's running it and the binary blobs. Now, for just privacy, getting rid of the Google apps is a huge accomplishment towards that. Uh, yes, I just, I, I mean, it's it's ironic that that I want to get off the Google ecosystem and <laughs> this operating system runs on Google phones. Irony is not lost on me, but... Um, I'm really, I am trying to do this. I had, I talked about last week, um, getting a two terabyte lifetime, uh, cloud storage. So I did that and now it is currently syncing next cloud, uh, a next cloud directory that I have on my computer, which is synced to next cloud, which is inside of this P cloud. And so now the next cloud is automatically syncing to a cloud storage. And my intent is to get this replace Google drive with, with this setup. And I also have a Synology NAS, um, an older one with not much Ram, but they offer a mail server as a plugin for that. And so I want to, I want to turn that into my mail server to get off of at least for, you know, the domains that I, that I have, you know, I'll still have a Gmail account, but you know, for the Joshua Dennis.ca and I've got some other domains. And so to be able to host my own email server and not pay Google a monthly fee in order to use Google business. Right. That was quite a long diatribe. You still awake? Yeah, I'm here. Um, and it's one of those things, you know, the way I'll put it is everybody believes in conspiracy theories. Everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody does since the beginning of time, just before we didn't know they were called conspiracy theories. And even though me and my son, my, my, my oldest son, have went back and forth for now like nine weeks trying to find different conspiracy theories that we each believe in, we can't find anyone, I still know I do. Okay, I'm no better than anybody else. Okay, part of me does not want to run Chromium based desktop browsers on my systems for my things that I hold near and dear to my heart. You know what I mean? Because they're Google backed. Is Firefox a better browser? No, I don't think it is. But I believe the people behind Mozilla have better intent. Does that mean I'm right? Hell no. It's, that's why I use the word belief. Um, because this whole thing is based off of AOSP. Um, to me, it's like building a desk that only has two legs and the third leg you have to provide yourself. And you never know when that third leg is going to give out because something's going to drop support. Something's going to change. Um, the pixel devices at least get really prompt 
updates directly from Google as far as security. Now, that security from Saudi Arabia, that security from Russia, that security from China getting into your device. While Google has a firm grasp around any reproductive organs you have connected to that phone kind of thing. So then it becomes to like who you trust. Uh, Steve Gibson did say, I want to say around three years ago now, we need to have a new term defined because security is not security. Security is where do you find your trust? Do you find your trust in yourself? Well, then you better be an administrator. And then after that, well, do you trust Google? Do you trust Apple? Do you trust HTC? Do you trust Amazon? Who do you trust? Because you have to trust somebody eventually. Because even if I want to be my own admin, I got to then trust HostGator or GoDaddy or somebody to host my web servers. You know what I mean? Um, I can't, I cannot be my own ISP. I didn't hit the mega millions or any of those, you know, 600 plus million dollar jackpots. T-N-O. Trust no one. Trust no one and P-I-E, pre-internet in, um, in, um, in, um, encryption. Um, but. Then there's always the like masterful wild card of it doesn't matter what you do. And that's a key logger. So then you, that means you would install nothing on your device ever, unless you absolutely positively have to have it. And you can vet the source code or somebody else has vetted that source code. Well, and that's one of the things that at least with Chromium, it is open source. You know, it's not just Google. It's an open source browser engine where say brave you know, I, I don't, I've never, I don't know what they're doing, but what they say they're doing, you know, you can, you can take that and, and actually, you know, audit that code and make it your own, I guess. I mean, and then put it into your browser. So it's not Google. I mean, I don't know that is Google getting all the information from all Chromium browsers. Well, this is what I'll say. Um, there's more than a couple extreme weenies as I call them on YouTube that won't stop screaming at the top of their lungs. And the two things I think they keep screaming at the top of their lungs is if you take a look at the brave source tree, or you take a look at the Vivaldi source tree, it's not 100% open source. Um, which means then it's not a question of, do you trust Google? It's a question of, do you trust brave or do you trust Vivaldi? Because they're inserting their own binary objects into that source tree. Now, if you go run just a pure vanilla chromium, I believe you are correct. It is 100% open code. Um, I don't know, you know, who audited it or when they audited it, but at least it should be available to such audits. Yeah, that's, I have never looked into it. That's actually, I probably never will either, but well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. We all have to, I don't want to say gamble, but we all have to gamble from time to time. The only question is, what do we gamble with? Is it our social security numbers? Is it our, you know, tax information? Or is it a sports game you want to bet on? Transition. Over on The Verge, uh, they posted an article literally today. Gambling apps are coming to Google Play Store in the U.S. and 14 other countries. You know what I gambled on? Shorting GameStop. Oh, my goodness. I tried to explain to my oldest son how that worked. And it's, you can bet the stock market is nothing but gambling. Okay. You're betting on the future of something, whether it's today or tomorrow or at a set length in time. And the GameStop thing, the big monopolies, the big, huge hedge funds said in the next six, eight, 12 months, we are betting that the value of this stock will be less. 
and then they invest in that being a possibility. So when that happens, because game stocks are game stop sucks and it will lose money that then those hedge funds will earn money. But then the super trolls on Reddit decided we're going to stick it to the man. And they completely made like GameStop increase. I want to say it was like almost 200%. No, it was like a thousand percent. It it started off at $18 and it was, uh, I think today it was over 400. Yeah. See, that's nuts. And then, and the whole reason to do it is if you are, if you're really quick and intelligent, you can get in and get out and you can make cash. But at the same token, these hedge funds are losing, I want to say it was $4.7 billion. 16. 16.4 billion out of yesterday. Well, that's the thing that is, is interesting, though. I'm never, I've never really understood how long um, it is until they, you know, somebody can call those shorts in. You know, you put it, you can, I don't know if you put a short and then you say, like, I'll pay you back in, in 30 days if it's out, that's how it works, or if it's just whenever they say, okay, I want it back or. Well, I believe it's up to the individual hedge fund, which would almost be like an index fund, but it's a hedge fund. They set their own terms. Usually it's, I want to say 18 months and 36 months out is the thing. So realistically, here's the gimmick. All the money they lost, it's a paper loss. It's not a real loss. In three months, when GameStop goes back to being worth nothing, all the hedge funds will just make their money right back again. But in the meantime, there are like little crafty trolls doing pump and dumps is what this is. And pump and dumps are extremely illegal. They are pumping and they are dumping. They are pumping the stock up to a rational height so where it should never be at and then dumping their stocks out to make money. They're pump and dumping, which is illegal. Um, but it's only illegal when you're brought in front of a judge. And uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, it's also, I mean, there hasn't been a dump yet, so. Oh, individuals have. They're well, sure, in- but that's not, I mean, the, the way a pump and dump usually works is, you, you know, they usually do it on penny stocks where right. you'll have, you know, I actually, <laughs> I, was, I messed around with stocks a while ago and there was one that I just sat on, who knows why, and it was, it ended up going up like, you know, 500% in a day and I thought I was going to be a millionaire and then it started going back down and it was, it was difficult to get, you know, to, to get that sell order in. But yeah, so usually a pump and dump will be, they'll set the groundwork for a couple months and right. buy and buy and, and then, and then they just shoot it up to everybody. will just buy it one day. And then after, after there's a frenzy and all the, the nincompoops like you and I that don't know what we're doing, say, wow, look at this. So they buy into it. Right. And I believe a pump and dump is typically the founders or the company owners themselves making out where GameStop is just, you know, they're like the drunk alcoholic hobo on the side of the road. They have no idea what's going on. You know what I mean, they're just sitting there and all of a sudden they're getting showered with money. And they don't know, they don't know what to do. <laughs> well, it's interesting too, that, you know, these, these hedge funds make billions of dollars a year and, you know, sometimes with nefarious means, I'm sure. But then something like this happens and they're calling to shut down the NASDAQ and, and put a stop on the, the trading for the stock. And they actually read it. I believe Reddit shut down the subreddit that whatever the Wall Street goons or whatever it is. And so, it, yeah, they throw the hammer down pretty hard when it's the Joe public trying to make a little bit of money and not well, these big hedge funds. On uh. NASDAQ, it's automatic. Nobody has to do anything. 
NASDAQ has algorithms in if, if any one stock changes a given percentage up or down in a set of time, it's immediately frozen. And this would not have happened on NASDAQ period. Uh, that level of manipulation is not possible. And the only reason I know that is because I know one of the guys who sold the solution to NASDAQ that does their backend algorithm stuff. And he said, you know, this is old school Wall Street. This is not NASDAQ where Wall Street requires somebody to step in and pull like a break. Um, you know, everything is gambling. I get in my car, I go to the store, I'm gambling my life away. I go to the store, I buy a gallon of milk. I'm gambling that that price will not go down before tomorrow. Um, buying stocks is just exactly like going to the blackjack table and gambling, except people believe the odds are a little different. You know what I mean? Um, same kind of thing, just different atmospheres, we I'll put it. And I'll say more regulated, but regulation never um, benefits the end consumer from anything I can tell. Regulation always supports the companies. Um, so, you know, the Redditors had a blast, had a ball. Let them enjoy their pina coladas while they walk on a beach or something. Um, because I'm pretty sure they're, it, it, if they might try this thing again the next, you know, three to six months, I don't know if they're going to be successful. Well, I want to, I'm interested to see if these these huge losses are actually realized by the the hedge funds and if they are how long it takes before the u.s government decides that they're going to bail them out because that's usually what happens if 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 people that are in those kinds of those types of positions you know they they are terrible at their job or they get caught doing something then they just get bailed out anyway so Uh, i heard an interview with the leading number one uh, hedge fund in the u.s today they said they lost four percent value so he said, we're not worrying about this. Um, we're in it for the long haul. None of our customers have called to cash out, you know, kind of thing. Um, we were like, if, if there was a run on the banks where people were trying to cash out all their stuff from the hedge funds, then they'd be in trouble. But he said, we haven't had a single person call up and panic. So that is Stock Market Corner with Dora and Josh, who are talking completely out of their bums. Well, I can only guarantee you one thing. You want to lose money? Invest it. Because, you know, like 80% of the people lose money. Kind of like if you go to a, a casino, you and like six people, odds are five of you are going to lose money. One of you might might come out with a little bit of money. Um, Red in the chat says that the hedge funds already got bailed out. Oh, everyone got bailed out in 2008. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, we'll see if he's talking about now or then. Um, there was, there was a, I bought a antenna a while ago for six bucks, which is supposed to be a digital antenna for a TV. Mm. Um, yeah, you plug it into your old cable part of your TV, and then you're supposed to get digital channels. Um, if I'm saying that right, I haven't tried to get TV in a long time. And so I hooked it up, and I mean, I, we live kind of in the middle of nowhere, and there was no channels when I did a scan. So whether I did it correctly or not, I'm not sure, but it seemed like pretty straightforward. Plug it in scan for channels and so i downloaded this this app which is called digital tv antennas and by nicholas lichtmeier under tools it's for everyone contains ads um 4.3 average reviews out of twenty nine thousand one hundred and ten. 
Updated January 12th, 2021, 4.7 magnet size, 1 million plus installs, current, current version 3.33, requires Android 4.1 and up, and it was a very simple uh, scanner, basically, to where if you're looking for those antennas that you want to point your, I guess they're towers or whatever they are, you want to point your antenna to, then this uh, locates them and then points an arrow in the direction that you want to go and it picked up one and i pointed it there but it didn't matter because it was too far away or too many trees or something and but it seemed to seemed to work pretty good for what it was what it was doing so it's kind of a a a clever little app yeah the bad thing about digital television is like you remember back in the analog days the degradation of a picture was graceful where it would be sharp and then it'd be a little bit fuzzy, and then you'd see a little bit of static, and then a little bit more static, and then a little bit more, then a little bit more, then a little bit more. Then it was mostly static, and then you know, got worse, got worse, got worse, and then to where you could barely see a picture in the background. Uh, with digital um, signals, it either works or it doesn't. And binary. Yeah. So, unfortunate truth is, those signals go far less in distance. So if you're in a place where back in the 80s you would have gotten two TV signals or three, you'll be lucky to get one with this digital revolution is what I'll say. Um, what I would say might be worth it, don't know, uh, Pluto TV is the one that the most people in the world have tried to tell me is the best uh, all-in-one IP TV-based solution ad. You get ads in your content, but it's completely free, um, and you can get everything from... Um, um, die hard like channels that show nothing but the golden girls or the a-teams um or even some like uh newer type content is what i'll say um me i don't sit down and watch tv that much when i do i'm just like the normal nerd i go out and pirate my stuff because i ain't got time to sit through other stuff does pluto have a uh, fuzzy cinemax uh, that was back in the day of cable where you would you would, you would get all of the channels but only the ones you pay for wouldn't be wouldn't be fuzzy or bleeped out or not bleeped out but yeah right well back in my day we used to have what's called super tv where television channel 54 on the you know 2 11 13 kind of thing you would turn the channel 54 and you would get a um signal that was definitely messed up where you had to pay to get a box put in that would decipher normal antenna based copyrighted content like um kind of content and yeah there were definitely some naked people on that one if i remember um but yeah um pluto tv i would guess that you could get at least something rated r but i don't know if you would get something above that then they had after that they had the uh, the cable boxes which were, I think were the the dishes maybe, mm-hmm. and where you had the the dish but then you also had a, a little card too that you had to slide in like a credit card yep. and like, that would be your your yeah. cipher key or something. I don't know. That was a PCI card. Yes, it was almost identical with to a credit card yet it had the little like gold teeth on it. Right. Yep. But you did mention that because you're a red blooded American, you pirate things. Um, and we did get an email from, from Scott Rimmick. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, yeah. Long time listener. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I quite enjoyed the, the thread here a bit, but it, he said, I wanted to respond reason your disingenuous characterization 
characterization of Plex. While you somewhat disturbingly are quite brazen in public in declaring yourself a proud pirate of the contents of your Plex server, please do not frame Plex as a primary tool for pirates that will disappear if laws crack down harder on pirates. That is not the purpose of Plex, and by publicly describing Plex as a pirate tool, you are inappropriately hearkening in the very bleak future which you lament about, drawing more eyes onto it that might not be familiar with it already, and setting their first sense of it inappropriately is counter to your your own best interests as a Plex user. Lest you don't believe that someone using Plex has their own extensive media library, see attached, and he has a, a pretty large uh, rack oh, yeah. of Blu-rays and DVDs, it looks like. And it says, just because you're a Plex user who pirates all their content doesn't mean the rest of us are. And then there is uh, French, which I don't yeah. I'll just put my response in a summary. I've listened to easily 7,000 hours of news over 2020, including C-SPAN. And at least three different occasions, I've heard congressmen and senatemen come on the state on the floor of our Congress in the United States of America and classify Plex as a pirate's tool for sharing content. Now, if you take a piece of content you own, whether it's VHS, DVD, Blu-ray or anything else, and you put it into your own digital media, and then you watch that digital media as far as Congress is concerned, as far as the EULA is concerned with that content, and as far as the DCMA is concerned, you are breaking the law because VHS has stuff on it to prevent copying. Uh, DVDs do. Blu-rays do. Yes, there is gray law to where you can make your own backup copy. The law is very clear, written a backup copy, not a primary use copy. So you can have the DVD, but then you have to prove the DVD or Blu-ray doesn't work anymore. That's why you're using this backup copy. Two, if you share that library with anybody or you have that thing available on two devices to where hypothetically you could watch the same ripped DVD movie on two different devices, as far as the EULA is concerned, again, you are a pirate. If you share your library with anybody with the possibility of them watching that content at any point in time that you are also watching that content, you are a pirate. Um, I'm not saying these things because I'm afraid it's going to happen. I'm saying these things because that's what the lawmakers see us as. Um, I've said it a million times on a million different shows. Perspective is reality. It doesn't matter what you see yourself as. You might see yourself as a freedom fighter and you might be right to you. But as far as Congress is concerned, the people that make the laws in this country, by the way, Congress, nobody else, Plex is a tool used by people who pirate things, who break DMC laws, who break copyright laws, who break the laws of sharing. And in the most recent stimulus package passed on, I want to say December 27th in the United States of America, which was also the um, yearly budget, there's a little piece in there that made downloading content or even taking a DVD and copying that data down to your local computer, a crime, a federal crime. Um, so I'll just say everybody enjoy Plex while you can. Um, nothing lasts forever. Nothing is never, you know, all good things come to an end and Plex will come to an end, but till it does, I will share my library out with people. I will enjoy other people's libraries shared with me, but I'm not going to count on it being there. And it has nothing to do with what I say or what I think or what I believe about the system. Um, resistance is futile, you know, stuff's going to move forward. Oh so, yeah. Thank you for the email, Scott. Um, 
and everyone else that wants to send an email to tell us that we're that we're wrong or right, probably more wrong than right. Uh, AAA at podnuts.com. Well, yeah, and if you, anyone's noticed, Plex keeps adding these new features, Plex TV, adding their own custom channels, adding like a gaming streaming service. They're slowly trying to push themselves away from that media library sharing thing that honestly brought them to the dance. Um, uh, and I still really like Plex. I still really like the people behind Plex. I still give them money from time to time. It's just, it doesn't matter um, when the federal government gets you in their sniper rifle it, it is hard to survive. Well, Caleb is in the chat now, and he just mentioned, uh, he says that Jellyfin is the best alternative he's found so far. Yeah, see, me, it was a streamer. I've never, I've never heard of Jellyfin. I just looked it up, and it is a, a free software media system. So that's interesting. Yeah, mine was just stream and A at the end. Uh, and the reason I liked this one was it was very easy to set up on my own local server and then give somebody else uh, password access to it kind of thing, which it was definitely not as easy to like search through multiple libraries uh, like Plex is. But uh, the last time I looked at Jellyfin, it was really just me and my own media. But that was a while ago. Um, I'm going to say just one more, like completely as far as I'm concerned, off the wall link kind of thing. And I don't want to say this is a prediction, um, but it's kind of a prediction. Um, we here in the Android verse have seen a great number of changes, great number of manufacturers come and go a great number of technologies look like they're going to be the next greatest thing. And then things that come out of the blue and just blindside us all. Um, I believe in non corporate focused economies. Um, we're going to see a huge push by manufacturers to, uh, start to enable risk V processors r i s c dash v some people out there might call it risk five but those people have never actually heard uh one of the um 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 speeches given by the actual people who started this up long story short risk v is an architecture language created by college professors to help teach coding architecture to their students because nothing existed that was completely open and in what they called fully functional. So for like the first 10 years that it existed, it was in theory, just something that they could run on like uh, compilers and inside of like x86 computers. Like, like years after that, somebody finally decided, well, let me take their architecture and actually print chips based off of this. Okay. Which really wasn't that long ago, but the amount of, advancement that's been made like in the last 18 months with risk V is quite literally insane. And I predict by the end of 2021, we're going to see some low end, low power functional appliance type risk V devices being sold with Android. It can't be the um, Android internet of things anymore. Cause they killed that, but with a very low build of Android on it to do some basic appliance type IOT things where it will be completely open architecture, AKA if you want privacy, there's you, this is the only way you're going to be able to get it. But two, you'll be able to see all the code that's being ran on it. Hypothetically kind of thing. Um, I don't want to say this is the future processor of digital freedom fighters and people who really care about their privacy, but that's what I perceive it possibly being. 
So I think we talked about this last week as well. Um, the 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 risk architecture is it's the same as like the risk operating system. I mean the same the same company. Like you can get a, a risk OS for Raspberry Pi. No, no, no. Um, uh, risk. What you're thinking of is ARM. Um, Raspberry Pi is ARM. Like yeah, Snapdragon. no, no, I understand that, but it's the same. It's RISC risk, and it's an old, old, old operating system or uh, programming language. So I'm just wondering if it's the same, like it has the same base, maybe. Well, it's based off the same, I'll say, fundamentals. I, I don't think it's the same programming language as ARM. I think there is some, at least, difference to it. And um, I, I cannot remember the name of the copy protection that was on. VHS tapes Caleb, but there was a true copy protection to where when the very first VHS, if you tried to do a tape to tape copying, it would get completely messed up. It had a weird name like, like time whiz or something like that. Uh, if you look up VHS copy protection, there's plenty of stuff out there about it, but yes, they put that copy protection in just to make sure that you knew as a consumer, it was illegal. Hence in the very beginning, you get those FBI warnings on VHS tapes and DVDs and Blu-rays, how it's illegal to copy content. Um, so yeah, you know, perspective is reality. That's all I'll say. Um, everyone casts themselves in the hero's journey that they tell themselves. Nobody believes they're evil. Nobody in the history of mankind sits down at their desk in the day, rubs their hands together, twirls their mustaches and thinks they're evil. Okay. Uh, we are what we are kind of thing. Um, not even hit, hit, Hitler thinks he's evil, you know, to be honest. So what's this? Yeah, you dropped out there for a minute. So, um, I was going to start. I blame Hitler. <laughs> that took a turn. Um, this is called Emule Remote Mail, which I thought it brought last week as well, but maybe I just had it on my list of things to bring. And it's early access and it's from the University of uh, Cambridge and it's under communication and it was updated. <laughs> so it's early access. It was updated the 18th of April, 2017 mm. and has 500 plus installs and the rest is whatever. Um, the, only, the reason that, that I even saw this was one of the developers for Internet in a Box was... He pinged me about helping him work on this, which I didn't have time to do at the time. But um, it's basically you have your server. So we'll use the use case of Internet in a Box where you maybe have your Raspberry Pi running your Internet in a Box server in the middle of nowhere in Myanmar. And so you have an email server on there, which... If somebody's running this email app, when they come in contact with that server, it will transfer the emails to their phone. And then when that person goes to somewhere that has internet access, then it'll upload those to where they're going, I guess, to another, maybe another email um, app. And then when that person goes, it is kind of a delivery. It's it's a mule. It's it's sneaker net for email almost. Yeah, I was thinking like almost like a mesh network for email. Yeah, so it's it's a, a extremely interesting concept. There's it's an open source um, project, which 
I can't remember what it's what it's based what it's based on, but it is. I think there's there's other other products which are which are actually in development. Which it looks like this one not so much. But I thought it was a very interesting concept. Gotcha. I'll I'll say I hope it's not based off a canine male. Uh, and I'm going to guess whoever did the initial development graduated from a Cambridge college, either uh, MIT or Harvard, right around 2017. <laughs> right. This app is is pretty interesting. I haven't had I haven't had much time to to look at it too intensely, but it's an app for a website called Notion.so, and they claim to be an all-in-one workspace. So it's a one one tool for your whole team: write, plan, and get organized. And so the the app is called Notion Notes, Tasks, and Wikis. It's by Notion Labs Inc. under Productivity. And 4.4 average reviews out of 21,151. Last updated January 15th, 2021. 24 megs in size, 1 million plus installs. Current version 06.51. Oh, sorry, point, 0.6.51. And the reason that I was even turned on to this is there's somebody that was that had developed a, uh, a dashboard of, of sorts parsing data and creating creating lists out of said data and things like that and it looked pretty nice and so in order to access it you know you have to go notion ecosystem and so the app was was pretty nice and if you're looking for yeah it's it's i don't even know how to explain it like it's it's almost you're almost creating you can create a website looking dashboard from what what I've seen. Um, and then it also looks like it's a Trello and any sort of collaborative note taking, uh, for, for teams and things like that. Well, I'll say 2020, this is 2021. Hold my beer. Um, this looks like it's trying to be in air quotes, the next generation office, like sweet collaboration tool that looks, I'll say at least, mobile aware i don't want to say mobile focused but yeah um kanban boards or trello boards are one of like hallmarks of collaboration and task management so this thing not only has tasks and to-dos uh with 20 different block types which if you've ever done task or to-dos you understand how block types can help um organize the things that you're trying to do uh it has um of course drag and drop functionality uh offline sync with all kinds of de- devices. You can organize all of your tagged or tabbed items, uh, calendar integration, spreadsheet and database integration and real time collaboration. So to me, that sounds like it's the backbone of like your normal office thing, but with better, dare I say more modern front end ways to do what you're not, what you're trying to do and having the real time collaboration to me is the key. Me using stuff for me purposes is fine, but me doing team-based things are, to me, the real, real things that can really enable people to be really productive. So this is definitely the kind of thing where if you want to work with people as an organization, if it's two people or 30 people, this is the kind of tool that can definitely help you be more organized. The simple fact it has that many installs over a million install tells you somebody is finding this incredibly useful. Well, I was actually shocked as well 
it seems you know after after I was shown it the first time I was surprised that it seems to be a pretty well used um, app not just an Android app but you know the the actual notion product in general the only issue that I had was that it doesn't have a desktop app for Linux of course right. but it is you can use it in the browser so there is that well I'll say it like this um one of the things that I've been following tangent again um is the number of investments the a b and c funding rounds um for companies that are doing codeless solutions um there are companies out there that are putting um off the shelf products out to companies large companies that cannot do what the companies need them to do but to make that software configure that software modify that software to get what you as a company want it to do doesn't require any coding. They're codeless solutions. They're, they are, in air quotes, the future uh, for the next like five to maybe 10 years of huge companies making huge amount of monies, bleeding their software inside of big enterprise solutions. We, the end users, will start to see that kind of thing trickle down to us. And the example is I'll use is this kind of functionality that we're getting in this application used to require insane amounts of like macro creation and manually setting up synchronization kind of tools where they're again lowering the bar of complexity to where all you need to do is install an android app create an account and invite your friends and you have functionality that even five years ago was like in a dream-like trance it would you know too hard to happen well they're they're showing the wall street journal pixar ibm verizon nike and mcdonald's on their home pages as users, so you know it must be good if if those people are using it. And of course, you go to Notion.so/desktop Notion for Mac and Windows. Oh joy! Um, so maybe there's like a package I could install that would install Wine or Wine Tricks or something on Linux, or maybe it could be usable. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm yeah, I'd, I'm over using Wine for anything. I'll figure out something else if I need to. Yeah, I mean, um, the last thing I tried to use Wine for, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it failed miserably, and I just completely nuked and paved everything out. Um, I got no problem, you know, blazing my own path, if you will, and just, you know, working what works, doing what I have to do to just get things done. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I definitely could pull out another 20 to 30 apps. Um, let me just do, oh, oh, oh. We were talking about content kind of thing. Um, Mark Cockrell, the beloved guy I love down there in Georgia, Mark Cockrell, uh, who right now is in podcasting. He's dealing with family matters. Um, was a firm believer that the true winner in streaming services would be Roku. And I didn't want to say I doubted him, but I knew they were like the winner in hardware, but I didn't see them as being a winner in streaming services. Well, Roku channel free streaming live tv and movies um is a thing now that you can load on basically any roku device even made in the last 10 years uh they have been purchasing up libraries uh in the last like six months so if there's something random that you can't find on hbo max um hulu netflix um um, uh, CBS All Access was renamed to Paramount Plus, Disney Plus. Is there something you can't find on one of those services? Why not load up the Roku channel uh, and see if you can find it there? 
There are ads on it from what my wife saw. She said the ads were no worse than any other ads she's seen on any other type of service or system. Um, I don't want to say I'm starting to believe Mark, but Roku is the only company that Amazon, Google, Apple, Netflix don't seem to hate. And, you know, sometimes to win an election in the United States of America, you just need to be less hated. Wait, wait, no, wait. Sometimes to be the best streaming service in America, you just need to be the less hated one. Maybe. I don't know. I always, you know, I thought the Roku was a a really good piece of hardware. I still have, it's an old, it's an old, old one. But the reason that that I replaced it, uh, at least upstairs on our main TV, was because it wouldn't, it didn't, um, there's no Amazon video app in Canada for it. And there's a couple other ones too that weren't available in Canada. And I think that they've, they've rectified that situation. Um, and I think there's a lot more apps available for it in Canada. And the thing is, our, we bought a TV last, what, September or something like that. 65 inch TV that is a Roku TV, which would be great because then you have one remote control to rule them all. However, it um, our receiver, which the speakers are hooked up to, it doesn't have what is it called? There's some type of it's a HDMI, basically sound through the HDMI. And so, if we're listening or watching with the Roku on the TV, then all the the sound you're going to get is coming from the TV. And so that's kind of a, that's a a Debbie downer. Right. Yeah. The only reason to upgrade a Roku seems like there are newer apps or newer services that just aren't available on old Roku's. It seems like old Roku devices never die. They're Um, tanks. Yeah. And the description of this channel says search and discover new TV shows, live sports, live news, and much more, including, and not limited to, uh, season premiere content from stars, epics, showtimes, and HBO. Um, so Roku has made deals with these other providers to at least have premiere type content. Now, hypothetically, a brand new season come to showtime. It will be available on Roku streaming, but only for like three months. And then they'll lose the availability to stream that content. Um, they're not gonna be able to keep it like, you know, showtime would. I, I beg people, do not count this one out. I think this will have a very good possibility in every year moving forward, just becoming more popular uh, and more natural for someone to say, have you checked this out on the Roku channel? Have you checked that out on the Roku channel? Yes, for me, it's just a matter of, of how many commercials it actually does have. Because that's another thing. I, I refuse to watch commercials anymore. Trust me, I understand. I can't. I haven't watched anything on actual TV now for like three years, um, just because I can't. I I, I can't sit through it because I know it's just somebody selling my time, my eyeballs away to, to somebody else. Do you have any more apps you want to bring? Anything pressing? Uh, let me just do a couple more little flicks through this. See if anything else absolutely catches my eye. And just to plug the the uh, chat again, we we had some little dissension inside the chat. So if if you want some fireworks, come out on Thursday nights and join the chat on YouTube. 
Yeah, there's always something going on there is what I'll say. Um, Do we ever tell people where the chat actually is? Like, we just talk about the chat, but don't ever tell anybody where the chat is. Well, I mean, <laughs> if they follow us on Discord, if they follow us on Mastodon, if they follow us on um, Facebook, if they follow us on Twitter, then the link they see will bring them right to the chat. And if you're not doing any of those, then search for Android App Addicts on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this next this last link I'm going to bring is actually a link I discovered by watching a guy, a fella with hairy arms on YouTube named ETA prime. Um, really passionate guy about mini computers, about, um, raspberry Pis. but really his passion is, which it's very obvious when you watch any of his videos is emulation of games. Uh, this is a application called dig D I G emulator front end um, and all this is it's a layer on top of all the engines you can load to play old video games but it's an unbelievably beautiful and elegant interface that is very easily customizable and you can very easily take your profiles from desktop to laptop to android and everything just seems to work so if you are a fan of playing emulating old games whether it be atari sega Nintendo 64, PlayStation 3, or whatever. Um, but you really want something that is really easy for people to just look at, absorb, and actually enjoy using the interface. Uh, Dig-Emulator Frontend is a fantastic choice. Uh, there is in-app purchases. I do believe to get full functionality, you have to pay a small monetary fee uh, to get all the possibilities, is what I'll say, from the a application. And I want to say it was like four dollars a year okay so this is a legit emulator no that's the gimmick it's just a front end you still have to load either retro pie or individual game engines like snes 96 or atari uh, 2600 back ends and this is just the front end think okay. of this yeah. as your office suite where the games and the emulation are the actual documents on the back end yeah, that's that's great. And the the first line of the description is note: this is not a game. All caps, double exclamation point. If you don't know what emulators and front ends are, this app is not for you. Fair enough. Yes. So what you do is you load either something like RetroArch uh, on your Android device, which is easily downloadable in the Android store, and then you load this as a secondary thing, and then this will recognize and pick up all the game engines and then you just load the games in the proper uh, folders and then all of a sudden you will load this interface up and you'll have like easily one click access to all, all of your games yeah it looks uh it looks a bit like cody the mm -hmm. the ui um all right so then i've never i've never used an emulator on my phone what what are we talking about as far as playability uh, even on devices from two years ago, you can play uh, Super, uh, Nintendo 64, PlayStation 2, things with little issue, and everything older will just run fine. Uh, there's a lot of Bluetooth controllers you can connect to your Android device. Uh, the most popular, the most versatile, functional, to be honest, is an Xbox uh, 360 controller Bluetooth connecting to an Android tablet or phone. Well, if it plays PlayStation 2... Then my old friend Time Splitters might need to get fired up. Yep, and I'm pretty sure on almost any device made in the last two years, it would probably run 
find any device made in the last year, it will scream and run great. That's something I would like to hear from from people about as well is if anyone else in this entire world ever played time splitters on PlayStation two, and I'd still believe it's, well, I haven't played games in a long time, but I still think it's one of the best games that was ever produced. And it was, it was out when the, the PS two came out as well. That was the first game I bought the, the PS two the day it came out and they had time splitters. And then I realized that I had to buy the, uh, the four part adapter for the PS2 because there's only only two ports for controllers, so they get you there too. There's another fifty bucks, and I brought yeah, that, that brought that home, and we started to play it with my roommates at the time. There's four of us, and then realized, wow, our TV's crap. So then you go out and buy a new TV for it as well. Yeah, that was the only advantage I think the N64 Nintendo 64 had over other consoles was it by default had four controller ports. Yeah, exactly. Then the Nintendo 64. Uh, the PlayStation 2 was great, but that was such a, a nut punch when you first buy it. Like, realize that you need a, a stupid adapter. Might as well be made by Apple, I think. All right. Very cool. Um, I don't really think I have anything else pressing is the way I'll put it. Um, I will just take a moment to pause and say, everyone who supports this network directly, thank you very much. Um, we're never in stress. We're never in hardship. We're never in worrying about the future of the network because of all the support that we get. Um, the last thing I want to do is donate shame people who do not have the time or the um, um, money to be able to afford to support us. What I'll say to everyone out there is being a community member is personally the most important thing to me. Uh, if you can donate, it's great. Um, I never will take that as something that I judge other people by. So thank everyone for being a pod Nazians. Thank everyone for coming out to live shows. Uh, Caleb, Swift, Red, ED, um, all you guys. It's just really good to see you guys come out. Big Sam. Big Sam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just good to see you. Um, Charles, I know you're back there, Charles. Yeah. Um, I will say again, uh, the easiest way to uh, directly communicate with us, there are links to Discord links to Mastodon and links to matrix in the chat. Um, if you want to contact us directly, AAA at podnuts.com or seven Oh seven, six podnut are the other easy ways to contact us. Um, do you want to go over some of the links there, Josh? Yep. First one is element for Android, which is a matrix, which door was just talking about, um, app front end for matrix. And Tusky for Mastodon, which is an Android for Mastodon by Keyless Palace under social. Also discussed Doors OnePlus fetish. Wise Notes, Notes with Brains, Early Accessed by Ervin Chowdhury under productivity. And we talked about five, the best five Chinese phones under $200. And a little discussion on Kai OS and digital TV antennas by Nicholas Lichtmeier under tools, uh, along with Kai OS. So we're talking about Graphene OS and Jellyfin, which is uh, a free software media system. And Dor brought up Streamo, which is also a self-hosted media library. And some more talk about RISC-V. And read in the chat also mentioned that we didn't bring up um, STIRR, S-T-I-R-R, which is the new free TV, which was his his response to Pluto. And Emule Remote Ale 
remote ale. <laughs> All right, then. Email remote mail, early access, University of Cambridge, communication, notion, notes, tasks, and wikis by Notion Labs, Inc. under productivity, Roku channel, free streaming for live TV and movies by Roku, Inc. under entertainment, and last but not least, Dig Emulator Front End by Dig Games under entertainment. Uh, I would like to also thank everyone that came out and everyone that supports supports Podnuts and anything else that you that you listen to. Send people emails. You know, direct communication is always appreciated by everyone except Joe Rogan. Yeah, and. and uh, yeah, if anybody's looking for a coder out there, I've got some time. So let's do this. Very cool, very cool. Um, Yeah, again, thanks for the download. Thanks for the support. The best way to support any podcaster is to directly communicate them. Unless they're like Chris from Northeast or other type of DBs or Joe Rogan. Um, But the second best way to support them is literally just tell other people about them. In the last week, Apple literally released a paper admitting reviews do nothing to um, um, how they uh, present um, podcast. Um, so if you hear a podcast say leaving us a review helps us, then you should know they literally have no idea what they're talking about. They just believe what some marketing search engine optimization weenie told them. Reviews help the platform that you leave the review on. Reviews never help a podcast. You want to help a podcast, communicate with them directly or say to somebody else, hey, I like this podcast and drop a link. Never leave a review for anything Podnuts ever does. Please, I beg you. I beg you. I beg you. Um, Come communicate with us directly. Well, tell and, us we're smart and like, or tell us we're stupid, but just talk to us. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, even, you know, even if you have something negative to say, we're always open to the to the feedback. Yeah, I mean, and I know I'm not perfect, and I hope everyone who communicates with us realizes they're not perfect either. We all have our own flaws. We all believe in things that aren't completely true. Just, you know, have a good time talking with each other and discovering other people's interests, likes, and beliefs. Uh, Josh, I definitely want to thank you for coming out. I'm really glad to see you. Um, every time Ivor isn't here, I really do worry about him. Um, none of us are in the best of healths is the way I'll put it. Uh, and just Ivor is the kind of guy I really just can't wait to talk to again, even though he hates Lenovo, you know. Maybe that's his conspiracy theory. He believes Lenovo's evil. That's it. I figured it out. Well, if you tie Russia in there somehow, then, or China, I guess, China. then you're good to go, yeah. Yeah, and I'll say uh, we lost somebody else. Chloris Leachman died here very recently. I'm just going to say, if you think she's like a prim, proper, professional just look, Chloris Leachman roast Bob Saget. Oh. And it is some of the most adult material. I mean, it would have made George Carlin blush, except he's dead too. So, Well, some of that, the old Bob Saget, oh man. Oh, I know. He, yeah, he's definitely not the full house dad. No, 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 no. But I will say it like this again. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for supporting us. Uh, and I hope everyone has a safe week. Hope everyone has a fun week. Hope everyone has some Android uh, experiences that they think are cool. And uh, never forget, anytime you need to contact us, uh, we are here for you, just like you're here for us. So I'm going to thank everyone, and I'll say I'll talk to everyone again in about a week.
Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.